It's good to see you this morning. We bless you. I won't keep you too long, but there's something I definitely want to give you today. And there's something I definitely want you to get a hold of, and I want you to grab a hold of, because I've been sharing with you, last week I shared with you about, from the movie, the book, 12 Years a Slave, about a man who was stolen from New York and was sold into slavery. Even though he was free, he was sold into slavery, had to serve for 12 years until he was free, and he lost all those years. Slavery will rob you of years, it will rob you of a future, it will rob you from helping other people, will keep you under a bondage, and, and Jesus Christ is the champion of slaves. Jesus Christ is the friend of slaves. We're celebrating the Easter ahead of time because he's worth all the praise and all the glory. Can I hear an amen? How many are thankful for your freedom? We saw last week, Galatians 3.13 says, whom Christ has set free is free indeed. And it says that he purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse of the law. For cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. How many know that Jesus died on the cross to set you free, to purchase your freedom, to purchase your life, to purchase your mind, to purchase your emotions, to give you a better life? How many of you know he paid the price so that you could be freed? How many are thankful for your freedom today? Can I hear an amen? But we also saw, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, be careful that you do not lose your freedom and return again to the yoke of slavery. We saw that even though he has set us free, it is easy and it is possible and it's a dangerous possibility that if we're not careful, Hebrews chapter 2, if we neglect such a great a salvation, if we neglect what God is trying to tell us and show us is so easy to slip back. And it talks about letting things slip out of our control and out of our hand and slip back into things we've been free from and once again be in bondage. And if we fall back in bondage many times, it's worse than ever before and harder to get out of. So we want to get a hold of some truth. That not only are we free, but we are able to stay free and continue free and that we're going to leave a legacy of freedom. Can I hear an amen? And so I want to show you today about returning as Moses went before God, and it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, do not become proud. Israel had got into a good place. They were blessed. God is warning them. You're getting ready to get into your promises, but be careful of this. Do not become proud at the time and forget. Somebody say forget. Forget the Lord of your God. Lose your passion about what God has done for you. Lose the, your testimony of where he brought you from. There's something that I always praise God for and pray for. I believe that as long as I can smell those leaf roofs in Central and South America, as long as I can remember the smell of the people putting water on the mud floors, and I can smell the mud floors and see the vapor rising up of the mud floors and scorpions fall out of the roof. As I open my Bible, I see scorpion juice where I killed scorpions falling on my Bible while I was preaching, as long as I can remember the people coming to church and bringing their babies to be prayed for and to be healed. When I can remember seeing the witch doctor get saved, someone who was tied up and, and put, in a, uh, put in a jail, in a, in, a, in a cage, and the priest would throw holy water on this, on this demon-possessed girl, 15 years old, and whip her with a belt, trying to get the demons out of her by whipping her and throwing holy water on her. And the Mennonites invited Cindy and I to go pray for this child and see this girl, 15 years old, where her skin had been burnt because she would go with God and then the devils would take over and throw her into the fire and the priests all they knew to do was lock her up and throw, just hit her with a whip and throw holy water on her but we went and preached Jesus to her mother and her mother got saved and that girl got saved that girl got delivered and everybody knew about that girl who was chained up or locked up and when she got free news went all around and they started inviting us to go preach and talk about this Jesus that frees the captives and we're still talking about that Jesus that frees the captives still this day but we can't forget our beginnings we can't forget where we came from 
We can't ever be lifted up to say, look what I've done. Look what I've built. Look what God has done through me. Oh, look what God has done. May he receive all the glory and the praise. May he be the one always exalted. May he be the center of everything in our lives. And he's saying right here, don't forget the Lord of your God who rescued you from slavery. Don't get so comfortable in being saved that that's as far as you want to go. Don't get so comfortable that, hey, at least John 3, 16 works for me if nothing else. Oh, no! It all works. He saved you not just from hell. He saved you from destruction and death. He said he rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget, and I'll just use key words here. Do not forget that he leads and he led you. Don't forget that he gives and he gave you. Don't forget that he fed and he feeds you. He did all this to humble and test you for your own good. And then verse 17, it says... He did all this so that you could never say that your own strength and energy achieved all this wealth and all this good. Verse 18 says, remember the Lord. Somebody shout out, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord, your God. We were singing today about the ground shaking, the stone being rolled away, and Jesus being raised from the dead. We're celebrating the memorial of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In May, we're going to be having a memorial day. And the whole nation responds to memorial day. And they should, for, for, for thanking God for those men and women who gave their lives for the freedom of this nation. And thank God that they have at least one day, but they should be celebrated every day that we live in a free land because of our soldiers and our men and women in uniform. But I tell you, the church ought to ring out praises and sound the trumpet and tell Grave to, to just blow his horn that every day we have a reason to rejoice that God sent his only begotten son who, that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have life everlasting. We ought to thank God every day that he sent his son to die for us to give by in our place. Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you the power to be successful. He is the one who keeps you from hell, death, and the grave. He is the one who delivers you from shackles and habits and chains. He's the one who gives you the power to be successful in order that you may fulfill the covenant that he conformed through your ancestors with an oath. Every day we ought to be thankful that God the Father gave his only begotten son. Back in 1991, my aunt's pastor, Dale Way, he had a uh, program on TBN and I've invited him. I'm waiting on news to see if he can come and preach for us and hold a concert for us. Great songwriter. But back in 1991, he, they sent me a CD from him, and he signed it and everything. And one of his songs was, I'm a father too. And one of the choruses say, From Bethlehem to Galilee, to the cross of Calvary, I stood and watched my little boy cry. But on a hill, on a dark, on a dark side of a hill, far away, I stood and I watched my little boy die. I'm a father too. I want you to know God experienced what it is like to lose a child. He gave his son to die on a cruel death. He didn't deserve that death. He died the death of a slave, but he came to die the death of a slave so that he could become the champions of slaves. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So we got good news today. You may be fighting some chain shackles and habits in some places in your life, but Jesus came not once, but he is here forever to rescue you and to deliver you from everything that the enemy will try to ensnare you with. So remember the Lord your God. Don't, we cannot ever say, I know enough about God. I have enough understanding about God. You will never know the dimensions of a great God and how powerful and how awesome he is. He's a God beyond the imagination and fathom and things your ear has not heard or your heart has received. We serve a God who's a God of everything and above all things. And whatever men and nations rise up, there are just little things and he laughs at the nations who rise up and mocks him, but he is a God. He's a creator. He's the rescuer of all mankind. He's the deliverer of slaves. He's the rescuer of those who are bound in darkness so that we can be free. And I shared with you that he's the one who breaks the cycles. 
And I shared that the word cycle means a series of events that are regularly repeated in the same order. God did not send his son for you to get saved and then continue to live the type of lifestyle you, that you lived before you knew him. He didn't come to give his life and rescue you and redeem you from a lifestyle that would end up doing you in. He didn't come to rescue you that your last days would be worse than your former days. He said, I come to rescue you that your last days will be better than your former days. I want to encourage you today because of Christ. You, your best days are not behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. I believe that for you and I believe that of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world. I believe that the best days of the church are ahead. I believe God is getting ready to shake whatever can be shaken so that's left is of him and that there's a church that's going to arise with a sword in their mouth and a, it's a trumpet and cry out that Jesus Christ is Lord and y'all excuse me but I feel a Pentecostal spitting anointing on me today. <laughs> Hallelujah! So y'all excuse me if I spit. Cycle means to move in or follow regularly repeated sequences of events, just following them in a circle. It's a chronic, consistent chain of events or pattern of behavior that is inconsistent with the will of God. God, I don't want to do this, but I ain't got no control over it. Mm. God, I don't want to do that again, but I don't have any control over it. God, you know that old devil, he got behind me, the devil made me do it. Flip Wilson prophesied it. The devil made me do it. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this chain of events. One translation says it's an invisible script. That it just seems like my life was planned out and this is just what my life has given me and what I deserve. All of these cycles is to have an unproductive work or lifestyle. And Jesus said, I come that you may have life and have it more what? Abundantly. Not long ago, one of my boys got stuck in the yard. They, they just parked, and overnight all the rain came, and it was so muddy, and my yard's muddy anyway. And so they got stuck, and they called me to go pull them out. And I went check out everything, and there was tracks this way, and there was tracks this way. How I many you know when you get stuck, you always put in reverse to try to go forward? Put in reverse to try to go far. You're trying to get out. You're trying to get out. You're making a rut deeper and deeper and deeper. And then a lot of times that's how we're living our life. But there's some areas we're going to see today that is necessary sometimes to go back so we can go forward. I'm getting out of this rut, but there's some things I've got to see so I can get out so I don't return to the same place again. God is getting ready to loose me, but he's not going to loose me just for a day. He's going to loose me for eternity. So I'm believing there's something he's going to show me to get out of this rut today in Jesus' name. How many wants that? Amen. We find that Moses is talking here. And he's going before God and he says, Israel's in a rut again. I've done, they, got, they did the golden calf. I threw the Ten Commandments at them. I, I did everything that I can. I don't know what to do with them. And God says, well, you know what? I'm tired of them too. I'm going to send my angel. I'm not going with you. And Moses said, if your president doesn't, Moses said, if your president doesn't lead us, then call this trip off right now. Just call it off right now. If I can't have you, if I can't have your presence, just call it off right now. I need more than just miracles. I want to be free, and I want to experience your freedom. And verse 18 goes on to say, and he said, please, show me your glory. Somebody shout out, show me your glory. It's the glory of God that raises the dead. It's the glory of God that quickens that which is dead. It's the glory of God that comes upon you and makes you brand new. It's the glory of God that comes to show you the better way. And he was saying here, I want to know you in the Hebrew. He says, I want to know you in the dimensions of you being God. I want to know you in other dimensions. That's why Paul says we need to know the love of God, the breadth, the length, the breadth, the length, and height, and depth of God's love. There's other dimensions of God. Shout out, there's other dimensions of God. 
There's a whole lot more to knowing God that I know. There's other dimensions of God. I want to know you. I want you, Moses is saying, I, please, I want you to show me. I want you to teach me. I know that you, if you brought us out of Egypt, I know that you didn't, you didn't have us apply the blood over our doorposts just for us to come out of Egypt and die in this desert. I know that you made us a promise and a promise to our forefathers. And I know our destiny is not to die in the circle that we've been going around and around or in the cycle, but I believe that there is something that you have done that when we came out and we crossed the Red Sea, I felt a covenant coming through. I know that we started worshiping the God that makes a way when there is no way. It doesn't matter how mad Pharaoh got when he lost us. He's not going to have us back. But this desert's not going to have us too. Our future is not in this desert. Our future is going forward to see the great things that God has for us. And in verse 21, the Lord said, here is a place by me. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. Somebody shout out by me. And you shall stand on the, on the rock. God is saying, I feel you, Moses. I know what you're saying. You want me to be near you. How many of God is not into long-distance relationships? You hear a lot of people say, well, you know, our relationship didn't work because it was long distance. Well, there's a lot of Christians, the reason your relationship with God's not working and not doing better because it's a long distance relationship. You see, Moses was standing upon the sand. He was looking at God and God says, there's a place beside me on the rock. Sand represents your own opinion and your own logic and your own intellect about seeing things the way you see things. But Moses, I want you to come close to me. I want you to come right here next to me. I want you to come upon the rock which represents truth, my wisdom and my knowledge and my understanding. I want to take you off the shaky sand that every time a storm rises you seem to fall and every time something happens you seem to give up I want to take you off the sand and put you upon the rock to stay so that when the storms do beat against you you're not going to be wavering and moving tossed into and fro but I'm going to cause you to stand upon my truth because it's my truth that is able to set you free and, I, and I've read many things about God passed by and showed Moses his back and the back of God represents the law. The back of God represents the curse. The back of God represents condemnation. But there's something that I just read in the Hebrew that scholars and theologians also said through rabbi writers over the years that the back of God also represents the past, which represents the book of Genesis. And in this, they started saying, this is what one of the rabbis said. He said, without an understanding of the mystery of creation, any more revelation cannot be understood. And when they wrote that, what they were saying, let me read that again. Without an understanding of the mystery of creation, any more revelation cannot be understood. And what these scholars are saying, that when God put Moses upon the rock, and he walked by, and he covered his face so that he wouldn't see the face of God, and he saw the back of God, they say that it's then that God gave Moses the book of Genesis, because Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And we know that Moses was not in Genesis when Genesis was done. He didn't see Adam and Eve. He didn't see Abraham, Noah, Isaac, and Jacob. He wasn't around. But God gave Noah, gave Moses the revelation. This is the reason why you you and the people are the way they are. I want you to see that Adam and Eve fell in the most perfect of conditions. I want you to see the condition of men are the, re the reason the condition of the men are the way they are today is because of the condition of men from the very creation. So for me to be able to give you a revelation how to go forward in your future, I've got to give you a revelation of the past. I've got to show you the past where men were so that you can see where you are now so I can bring you to where I'm bringing you into. So right there, God gave Moses the revelation of the the book of Genesis and then it goes on to say in verse 13 it says now therefore I pray if I have found grace in your sight show me your way somebody shout out show me your way say it with me that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight 
God, I don't want to know you just by how somebody else knows you. I want to know you the way you want to be known. The only way I'm going to break some cycles in my life is to know you the way you want to be known. You revealed your different names. You revealed your character. You revealed your power. I want to get to know you in the way that I need to know you so I can get out of the place where I am. I've got to, I've got to know you the way you need to be known. I can't follow some idol. I can't follow some person. I can't lean upon someone else's understanding. Moses is saying, I'm not going to go by what the elders say. I'm not going to go by somebody else's opinion. I want to get by what, get on on what you've got to say. Do it your way because when I do it your way, I'm going to have power available me, available to me to get the job done because you will bless those who do it your way. So God, I need to go show me your favor. I've got to know you more. I've got to go deeper. I've got to see how I can operate. And then it says in 34 verse 5, it says, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Somebody shout out Hashem. Hashem. That's the name of the Lord. And God comes and says, I'm going to reveal to you. Hashem is the two mercies of God. It's the mercy of God for those who sin willingly. And it's the mercy of God for those who don't even know that they're in sin. Aren't you grateful you have a, a God who is merciful for the sins you know you're doing and the, that you repent of and the sins you don't know that you're doing? Praise God. Somebody's thanking God for the forgiveness of God. And the Lord said, I proclaim by name Hashem, the God who is merciful to you. And he goes on to say, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. The first thing God says here is mercy. The word mercy means that you didn't get the punishment you deserved. How many of you got away with a few things when you were a kid and you didn't get the punishment you deserved? Can I hear an amen? Well, I want you to know there's a lot of people, listen to me, before you complain about what you think life has given you, you just thank God you really didn't get what you deserved. Come on now. A lot of people, yeah, it's so easy. It's so easy to be complaining. Well, this is what just life gave me. Well, you know, this is just what I, I needed. This is just what God intended for me. I just deserve this. Well, listen, I want to tell you the truth. You don't deserve what you're going through. You deserve worse than what you're going through. But because our God is a merciful God, thank God we don't have and we ain't getting what we deserve because Jesus paid the price to set us free. So I thank God that my God is a merciful God. Can I hear an amen? Gracious. Somebody shout out gracious. gracious. Means I'm going to give to you what you don't even deserve. How many of you are thankful for that? I'm just giving to you because I love you. Then he comes to the word long-suffering. Say long-suffering. Look at the definition in the Hebrew. I'm slow to anger. And I'm extraordinary patient. And I love this. In the Hebrew. I'm going to wait you out. I'm going to wait you out. I could have let the devil take you in that car wreck. But it's not about what the devil's going to do. It's about what I'm going to do through your life. So I didn't let you die because I'm waiting you to deter, to, for you to turn and call on me. I didn't let you die in that crack house. I didn't let you die when you cut your wrist another time. I didn't let you die in that place where you were at because I'm waiting on you. And sure, you went into a place you shouldn't have went into. You were in a bar you shouldn't have been in. You were somebody you shouldn't have been with. You're in a hotel room you shouldn't have been with that person. But I was outside waiting you out. I didn't give you what you deserved. I, I got a better plan for you. And I'm going to use you for my glory. And what the devil meant for evil, I'm 
I'm going to turn around for good. I'm, I'm, I'm long-suffering. I'm going to wait you out. And there's some people here today, you saying God's given up on me. God hasn't given up on you or you wouldn't be here. You're here today. You're here right now. You're here this morning. You're here to get saved, rededicated, and prayed for and serve the Lord for the rest of your life because he was long-suffering and he waited you out. He didn't give up on you and he's not giving up on you. Glory. Give the Lord praise. And he goes on to say, I'm abundant in goodness and truth. And in the Hebrew, I love the definition. It says, it's when the scales of justice say death. And God reaches over with his finger and says, I change the scales and I speak life. Come on now. Abundant in goodness and truth. Yeah, yeah, devil. Your accusations are right. They're a sinner. They deserve to die. They've done this more than once. Yes, you're right, you accuser of the brethren. But I want to tell you something. You can accuse them all you want to. But I say live. I don't care if you say day. I say live. I don't care what you're calling them. I say they're mine. You're not going to have them because the scales have been shown and they're mine. And I'm not giving up because I've got a plan for them. Can you praise the Lord for that? Now look at verse 7 here. Hallelujah. Glory to God for Easter. You know, some of us have been rescued and God was so patient with. That's why we're fanatics today. Glory be to God. Thank God he was long-suffering and patient. Thank God we didn't get the death we deserved at the time that we deserved it, but he was patient and long-suffering with him. I thank God for it today. Glory be to God if I'm the only one. If I'm the only one. Come on, can the church shout amen? Verse 7. Keep in mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity. You know what iniquity is? Willful sinning, deliberate sin. You know you're going to do it, even though you told your mama you're not going to. <laughs> deliberate sin, transgression and sin. By no means clearing the guilty, you can't play with me, but visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. That word iniquity speaks of crookedness. And I started studying it. And you know, I've heard it preached so many ways. And you know, we know that there's such a thing as generational curses. And we know that there are things that are passed down from one generation to another. But then I, I read this again. And it talks about forgiveness and long-suffering. It talks about how God is. And it reminded me of Ezekiel. I don't have the scripture up there. But Ezekiel chapter 18 that says... The son shall not die for this iniquity of his father, but he will surely live. And it says in verse 19 of chapter 18, you can look it up. Why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? Because the son has done what is lawful and right and it kept all my statutes and observed them. He shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins that he has committed and keeps my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live and not, live and not die. None of the transgressions which he committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness of what he has done, he shall live. Now it seems to me there's something contradictory. You said you're going to visit the sins up to the third and fourth generations. And then you said, here, the son is not going to be punished because of the sins of the father or the father punished because of the sons of the sin and it seems contradictory so i started checking out what that word that word visit meant and that word is such a merciful loving word brother if you come help me right quick you might need to turn some lights up here so we can be on i want the people on the internet to see this i want james to come help me i want cody to come help me and i want jake to come help me i want you to come stand right here 
And this is a grandpa, which he really is. This is a dad. This is a son. And uh, could you come help me a minute? Yeah, you're laughing. I'm going to use you. And this is a grandson. And he says, I'm going to visit the sins and the iniquities from the grandfather to the father to the son to the grandson to the great-grandson. And many times we saw, oh my God, how are we ever going to get out from what my grandfather did, what my father has did? So I looked up, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, I want you to look up that word visit. Oh, that's an interesting word. So I looked up that word visit. And that word visit, and I'm going to give you the word in Hebrew in just a minute. It means I'm going to come down and be an overseer, and I'm going to be just, and I'm going to do a turnaround to what the fathers and forefathers have done. And what it's actually saying is that I see this boy. He's young. He's being attacked in certain areas. I know his weaknesses. Son, I know you personally, but I know you a lot deeper than you think because I know your daddy, and I know what he's done. I know what the grandpa has done, and I know, my God, what the great-grandpa has done. And so... So, so I know you because I know him, because I know him, and because I know him. And because I know him, and I know him, and I know him, I know you. And I know the way you seem to lean. That there's a little crookedness, there's a little lean, leanness there. I know that you kind of lean a little bit towards some certain weaknesses that have run in the family. I know where you're weak, because I know where he's weak, because I know where he's weak, because I know where he's weak. And since I know where he's weak, and he's weak, and he's weak, and you're weak, I've come to be able to reestablish you that where you're weak, I am able to make you strong. And I hear him that I am here to help you in the weaknesses that have come down from generation to generation. I'm not here to destroy you because of what he did, he did, he did, or you're doing. I'm not going to give up on you or you or you or you, but I'm going to help you be the man you're supposed to be so that he can be the man he's supposed to be, so he can be the daddy he's supposed to be, so that he can be the son and future daddy he's supposed to be. I'm not going to curse you because of what he did, he did, or he did, or what you did. I'm going to come to help you where you lean and stand back up so you will not be able to fall again. I'm going to better take what seemed weak and make it strong as only I can. So it is not going to be something that's going to continue if you don't want it to continue. I'm going to break the cycle of great-grandpa, grandpa, daddy, and son so that you can be a free generation giving me the glory and all the praise. Now you ought to give God the glory for that. Let's give these men a hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Now I'm going to give you the definition of visit because, man, this is just, woo! Hallelujah. I know some things about my great-grandpa. And I know a lot of things about my grandpas. And I know a lot of things about my dad and my mom. And I know a lot of things about me. I think, oh my God, my poor kids, ain't no hope. Huh? Got a generational curse. Y'all going to go to hell. You're all... But then I read, wait a minute. You visit those in their crooked places. And it talks about areas that you lean in. And the Lord reminded me a few years ago, we had two big old pine trees, 100-foot pine trees, growing without maybe 10 feet apart. And in the middle, the branches didn't grow because they were too close together. So the branches grew outside of the tree, not inside. And when Hurricane Katrina came and when the winds would blow, 
that front tree, my, all three of my boys slept in the same area. That front tree would just lean real far and look like he was getting ready to break. I was praying the angels in the blood of Jesus every time we had a windstorm. There it starts going. And the other one that had the branches growing on this side would twist and turn and come this way. I mean, there's two big old 100-foot trees leaning towards the house. Oh, God, keep them up. Keep them up. Till I get the $900 to cut them down. And finally, <laughs> finally got the $900 to cut them down. Thank God. And then Brother Floyd, some came in and did the stomps. But thank God that all of a sudden, here's these trees. They're starting to lean. And the Lord says, this is what I'm talking about. Great-grandfather just seemed to lean a little bit toward alcoholism. And then grandfather just leaned a little bit towards alcoholism. And then daddy leans a little bit towards alcoholism. And so as the son starts leaning a little towards alcoholism. So I, I'm not going to come to curse the grandfather, grand, great-grandfather, grandfather, dad, and son because they lean a, bit, a little bit towards alcoholism. I'm going to come to help straighten them up and give them strength in those areas where they seem to lean in. And I'm not going to be one to judge somebody because they lean in a certain way. I may lean because of my family line in a certain way, but you know you lean in another direction. You got some lean of your own. We all got some lean. Can I hear an amen? You, we can sit. We can sit as pretty as we want to in church, but if God would come here with a heart monitor, with an x-ray machine, and put an x-ray machine on every one of our hearts, we all know we got some lean. We know our mom and daddy had some pride and some criticism. We know our mom and daddy don't forgive some people. We know there's unforgiveness in our family. We know there's some pride in our family. We know there's certain things that go down the line, and we just overlook because it's family. But I got to tell you something. If you want to be free, you need to stop idolizing your family. It's one thing to honor them. It's another thing to idolize them. And I'm going to stand before you today and I'm going to tear your idols down. You may think you got it all together. You may think we, the family, got it all together. You ain't got it all together. You need the grace and the mercy of God. And instead, instead of saying we're so good and we're idolizing everybody, look how good we are. My mother, yeah. We know how good you are. I know how good my family was. We idolize them. There's, my mother was a saint. My daddy was the Pope. We idolize them. They never did no wrong. Yeah, they did. The only perfect person has been Jesus. But we idolize them. Because we idolize them, we don't want to see their weaknesses. And if we don't look at their weaknesses, we don't look at our weaknesses. Whoa. God is saying, I'll come to visit you because th there's some areas you're leaning in that I want to help you, I want to I prop you up. You see them palm trees in the front? They're perfectly palm trees. But because they're weak-rooted, we have to put boards around them because anyone comes along, they want to fall down. We want to keep them from falling. Who's able to keep you from falling? Jesus Christ. You take Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. His name was Abram. He wasn't changed yet. It was before Christ. Abram. He lied about his wife. He says, you're so pretty, they're going to kill me and take you. He, fear of death made a circle of lies. They're going to kill me and take you. So he says, I want you to tell them you're my sister. Chapter 26, his name's Abraham. He tells Sarah, let's tell the same lie. You tell them you're my sister. If not, they're going to kill you, and then they're going to marry you. I, 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 if I would have been in Abraham's day, you know what I would have told him? If you marry an ugly woman, you wouldn't have that trouble. <laughs> anyway, that went over real good. Anyway, Isaac, here comes his son Isaac. He's married to a beautiful woman. He tells her the same thing. Look, you tell them that you're my sister so they don't kill you and take me. 
There's something very interesting you find in the Word of God. In chapter 20 and in chapter 26, Abraham lies in the city of Gerar. Isaac lies in the city of Gerar years later. He did just like his daddy did in the same place his daddy did it. Did you hear what I said? He did what his daddy did in the exact place his daddy did it. Don't tell me there's not generational weaknesses in areas of our life. God wants to strengthen you and make you strong here today. We just got to stop idolizing. We got to start accepting the truth as it is. If I don't change this, it's not going to be changed. If I don't allow God to strengthen me in this area, it's not going to be strengthened. Because you know what happened? Isaac ended up having kids and guess, having two kids. And guess what his kid did? His kid lied too, Jacob. He, 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 he lied so much his name was liar. And then Jacob had children to the fourth generation. And he had, and all of his sons except Joseph, they were liars. And you find on and on and on, generation of liars and liars and liars. And there's areas of our life, abyssity, pride, weaknesses, things that we don't want to see. But that word, that word visit is the word P-A-Q-A-D-H. It means to visit, to inspect, to review, to care for. It means it's a positive, not negative, a positive action by a superior. It produces a beneficial result for his people. And it's a call to oversee that God is in control and God wants to help you in the areas that you're weak. David said, you know me when I was formed. You know how I was formed. You know the blood that's running in my veins. You know the weaknesses in my veins. But I got good news for you today. It doesn't matter what type of people you come from. God is able to be the blood that's in your veins and able to raise you up. The blood of Jesus is in you and upon you. And able to break generational things. Let me give you an example from the Old Testament. The two spies were sent into the city of Jericho. One was named Simon. He, Simon. Something. It wasn't Simon. God have mercy. <laughs> Salmon. Okay. His name was Salmon. Now listen to me. God have mercy. <laughs> Don't you tell me nothing, Glenn. Hey, what did Cracker Shell says? When you mess up, just go back to your notes and just go back where you go. Okay. Listen to this. Salmon and other went on into, and listen, they say Rahab the harlot wasn't just a harlot. They said she owned a brothel. So here's this woman. She's the madame, and she owns the brothel. And these spies walk in there, and Salmon sees her and falls in love with her, and they end up saving her and everything else. So listen to this. Salmon marries Rahab the harlot. They get together and have a kid that they name Boaz. Boaz becomes a great general that liberates Israel, gets married to Ruth, another woman who's not a Jew but converts to Jehovah, and they get together, and they have a son called Omen, and then Omen gets married, and he has a son named Jesse, and then Jesse gets married, and he has a son named David. So listen, if God could take a generation of what seemed to be leaning towards idolatry and harlotry and everything else, and straighten them up, and you read in Matthew chapter 1 verse 5, where it talks about Salmon got a hold of Rahab, and it talks about Boaz got a hold of Ruth, and it talks about Omen, it talks about Jesse, it talks about the lineage of Jesus and David, I got good news for you. You ought to get excited, stand up and shout, my bloodline's going to change. I plead the blood over my bloodline and that which is crooked is going to stand up and I'm going to get up. And let me share something with you. If you accept and know the areas where your family seems to lean, 
There are people who's going to invite you. Won't you come and have a few drinks? Listen, I can't even touch this stuff because it killed my grandfather. It killed my uncle. It killed this one. I, I can't even touch this stuff. And uh, you do what you want to do. I'm not going to judge you, but I just know I seem to lean in that direction already. So if I don't want to go in the circle of what my family's already going in, I'm not going to go in, in that area. I'm going to stay away from that. And you may feel free to go see that type of movie or look at that type of stuff, but I'm not going to join you because I know that my, my family seem to lean in that direction. And I'm not going to get around people who criticize and gossip and talk behind other people's back and don't even have the guts enough to go tell them what they're saying or go, or, or, whoa. I'm not going to get around people because I already know my family, the best gossipers, they got a blue ribbon for it. They got a blue ribbon from the last 16 churches they've been a part of and I know they're getting ready to get one for leaving this one too. And so I already know you got a tendency to lean because you like to criticize. You like to talk. You like to backbite. You hug the pastor, but then you talk about him behind his back. You talk about this and you do that one. Man, if you got a problem, just go talk to the person and tell them what you got. Stop going in the same direction. Stop the division. Stop the backbiting. Stop trying to find problems. Just understand, listen, I'm kind of weak in this area, so I don't need to go there. I know that my family turned to go that direction. They, 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 they like to do Mary Jane. I know they like to do this and do that. I know where they got some weaknesses. I want to see that broken. So I'm not going to judge you for one who is lawful. It's lawful. But for me, it's unlawful because I already know what's happened here, here, and here. And if I do it, I know what's going to happen to me. So if they're weak in it, it means I'm weak in it, so I'm not even going to go there. Lord, thank you that you are able to help me stand and in all the ways and keep me from falling away. Now, would you stand to your feet? I've already gone 10 minutes over. But that's all right. You love me anyway, don't you? Listen, I just want you right now, just to close your eyes, everybody just close your eyes and raise your hands, and I want you to start declaring, my bloodline is free in the name of Jesus. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, what must I do to be born again? I can't go back to my mother's womb. He says, you don't want to be born again the old natural way. You want to be born again the new way. You want the new way of being born again by accepting what I'm about to do for you on the cross of Calvary so you can be free. I want you right now to take a stand and say, it stops with me. I declare the blood of Jesus over my bloodline and I thank you that where we are weak, we are strong in Jesus' name because you are able to keep us from falling. I declare freedom over these saints of God here today in the name of Jesus. I ask you to anoint each and every one where they are rattling, where they are weak. And I thank you for able, they're able to make them strong because thank you for our natural family. But Lord, I praise you for the family of God. I praise you for the blood of Jesus that redeems us, calls us by your name, and makes us your own. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. We got two invitations here. We've got Austin Altar Ministry prayer team. They've got their prayer badges on. Over here to your right, got prayer team ready to pray for you, minister to you. If you need prayer in some areas, you believe in God for your marriage, for job, for your children. I want you to come to these and just let them minister to you. At the same time, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to invite you, if you want freedom, you want deliverance, you want eternal life, I want you to raise your hand right there where you are. Anyone here, just raise your hand and say, I just need Jesus. I need to give him my life. I need to receive forgiveness of my sins. Anybody at all? You're ready to forgive? There you go. God bless you. God bless you. Would you come? Would you come and let me pray with you? Anyone else today, come and stand up here in front of me. Just raise your hand. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness of my sins. I'm ready for a new start. 
This lady raised her hand. I'm ready. I'm ready. Anybody else, you're ready. You're ready today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your King. Anyone at all, come and stand here. Anyone else? Anyone else, come. If you need prayer, we got the prayer warriors over here to pray with you, minister to you. Don't try to fight these things on your own. Don't try to get your own deliverance by yourself. Get someone to pray with you, to stand with you. If you need a healing in your body, come and allow these to minister to you. Here on the prayer team.